Hi, friends. Welcome to day 363 of the year of our, we almost did it, Joe. We almost did it. Um, 2020. And also day, not where the money reside, not where the men, I can't even sing the song. Not where the money reside, where the money resides, not, not there. We're not there. 2020, uh, also known as December 28, 2020, and officially our last podcast of 2020. Burr, 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 burr. We're at episode 16, guys. We did this. We did it. <laughs> we did it, Joe. I have consistently given myself to something every single Monday um, for the last 16 weeks. Some of my relationships are probably looking at, like, so you, you're capable. That's great. I'm actually, like, a very monogamous person. Like, I, I enjoy being in a relationship. I can't do the, um, hold on, please. Selena Kyle, get your ass back. Get your ass back. My cat and I are, you know, you know the fucking vibes. This bitch thinks it's. It's it, she chooses it, she chooses violence every time. Selena over here. She wants to break down the goddamn Christmas tree and it's problem fucking matic. I came back from hanging out with my dad um and the fam for Christmas and Everything was just torn the fuck down. There were ornaments everywhere. Hold the phone just a moment, please. Thank you. <laughs> you think this is a game? You think this is a game? Why are you laying down in the chair? So anyway, um, I just found ornaments all over the house. There, the tree is is not herself. If I have to give the tree an interview, I think it's there's it's an SVU episode because she probably feels violated. And um, you know, it's, I my cat is she's a panther you know it's a, she's a, i think a predator animal and then her mother calls herself a tiger yeah you know like we're dealing with some very interesting situations that was a weird start to the podcast anyway guys how are you how is your week Don't be fucking weird and don't be fucking rude. I asked you a goddamn question. How the fuck are you? Uh-huh. Ah. Uh. Oh. Well, um, did you have a good week? Did you survive your first pandemic Christmas? <laughs> Everything's weird. <laughs> It's just like it's everything is fucking weird. Um, but 
you know, besides the the birth of the black Jesus to the black Madonna, did you treat yourself well? You know, the rest of the days, did you, um, <clears throat> let's see, did you eat well? Did you uh, drink enough water? Did you um, take your vitamins? Did you take a walk and look at the beautiful moon at least like once this week? The moon was so pretty this week. (laughs) I cannot lie. It was so pretty. I remember just my dad was barbecuing one of the days and I went outside and I said, look at this bitch. Look at her just showing out. Showing the fuck out. Just like, hey, girls, I'm just here to shine. And then I remember that the conspiracy girls told me that there were two sons this year. And so I don't know what's real. It's like the Truman Show is, where am I? (laughs) Ooh, everything's fine. Everything, it's fine. It's fine, Brian. It's fine. I feel right. I feel right, Brian. It's fine. Everything is fine. But yeah, I had a good week. Um, it was Christmas. It was weird because the week before I felt, or like the week leading up to Christmas was just kind of lonely. (laughs) I live by myself. It's me and my cat. And I wasn't lonely in the sense that I didn't have people to talk to you. I was back on my shit, like doing the whole thing, like where I, um, I strategically ghost people. Sorry, I just gave her some catnip, so she is. <laughs> She's good. She's good right now. I don't know the strain. It sounds like a sativa. Okay. Um, and she never makes noises, so this is really funny. Sorry. Um, so there was this... Um, I've always had things to do on holidays. I've um, always made a plan. Last year, because of the relationship that I was in, I think we went to his family's house on New New Year's Eve, and he wasn't really a person that went to his family's house on New Year's Eve, um, but decided this was a particular year like to go. So we went and it was really nice. They made a pozole. I don't eat pozole. <laughs> they made tamales. I don't eat tamales. I was like, oh, is that carnitasada? Yes, yes, I'll have that. Um, there's specific like staples of uh, Mexican cuisine that I'm just, I've never been interested in. And tamales are one of them, which I wish I could get into it. I just... I don't like starches. I I don't. I, yeah. So and pozole I think has. I like a caldo de res, but I don't like pozole because what is it? I think there's pork. Is it pork? There's something about it that I don't like. There's a and I don't. I'm not Muslim. Um, although like I said, you Muslim girls are you got you got me. <laughs> I find myself in those Farrakhan rooms on the on the on the chatty house. So you got me um, very soon. Um, I just don't like the taste of it. My mother was allergic to it, so 
while she was, and I guess she found out if the story is correct, she found out while she was pregnant with me that she breaks out into hives if she eats pork. And <laughs> one of my favorite tweets that I saw this year, like pork, the devil's meat. And I was like, yes, the devil's meat. My mother rejected it because obviously she was carrying, uh, you know, the black Madonna inside of her. Hmm. You guys don't have a goddess complex? weird um but it was a a strange year for traditions because snapchat brought back those memories <laughs> and i was looking at that shit like oh goddamn 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 okay okay and it was um you know, that it was a bo boyfriends of years past, I think we'll call it. It was, um, hold on. All types of uh, technical difficulties, and I'm not going to fix them. This is what you call like a renegade sort of like podcast. You know, we're doing this off the fly. We're doing this in the year of our Lord 2020. You must know. You must know that things were not easy this year. But it was very interesting going back through the, uh, the, um, <laughs> it was oh, Selena bumping into a fainting. <laughs> <laughs> with her catnip. Um, the funny thing is the catnip thing, I will go wild and get her toys. And this shit is literally uh, from 4th of July. Because it's got the red, white, and blue, like uh, American whatever bullshit. And yeah, they must have given her the right wing. Like, hey, let's go blow up a building in Nashville uh, strain because she is in it. Huh? We'll talk about that later. But it was a good time. It was a good time going through uh, Christmas past. But uh, my dad picked me up on uh, December 24th. And there was food. There were there were, there was drinking. There were matching outfits. <laughs> there was pie. There was more pie because the first pie finished. And um, once again, my dad wanted not wanted to, but he was watching Game of Thrones. And this time he's he was on episode or season seven, and or no season six. Yeah, season six. And then going into season seven, and I'm really sorry, girls. Like, I just don't understand how the fuck you guys can hurt, like, hurt, hate Cersei because I don't get it. She was justified. I got to know a Twitter fight this week, <laughs> random strangers defending Cersei's honor, and I will do it every goddamn time. You don't understand. I trust this woman. Uh, I think she made the appropriate deci decisions that she needed to make because don't, 
Don't kill my children, as evil as they are. You don't get to kill my kids. And then, like, you don't, like, dad, you know, like her Tywin, Lannister, you don't get to use me as a fucking pawn, basically like a fucking prostitute and just, like, sell me off, like, to the whatever fucking, like, king is happening. You don't get fucking King's Landing to throw fucking shit on me, like... And, you know, parade me down the street naked <laughs> and then just think, I'm not going to blow you bitches up the moment that I get a chance. How, the, the nerve. The the absolute nerve of you. So I enjoyed rewatching that season. We got, I think, to the end of season seven. I have some things to say about some of the things that I watched this week. Um... I watch Soul, so I'll talk about it in that in the Goddesses Really Watching segment. Um, but it was a bittersweet Christmas. I felt very lucky um, that my family was close enough and that I've been spending enough time with them to know that I, I could go over there. Um, that... I spent basically the majority of the like the first half of this year running for my family because I was listening to everything that the news had to say, which is you you cannot spend time with your family. I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. And I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that. And um and I think there are precautions that one can take. And even still, that instills a, a bit of fear inside of me, like, God, I hope I'm not the one that brings it to the family, even though I know that when my dad drops me off, it's going to be me and my cat in this house the entire time. And then he always comes back because he has this really cool new truck to say, let's go grocery shopping. And so we'll go grocery shopping. And so I feel very blessed that I've seen my dad so much this year, but it has not been like this carefree sort of feeling where I can just be happy about it because I'm fucking terrified, terrified every single time. But I was so fucking thankful. Um, we opened Christmas gifts at, uh, well, basically Christmas at midnight. So Christmas Eve, <laughs> to me, I'm like, what time do y'all go to bed? <laughs> what do you consider morning? What time do you consider the day starting? Um, so it was uh, Christmas Eve. We all stayed up. We were watching Game of Thrones and uh, had made it through my favorite episode, season six, episode 10. So we had gone in, we had proper made it into season seven and then I was like, it's midnight. And so we started opening gifts. And I had some, I had some really cool gifts. I cannot lie. I my dad got me this super cool <laughs> chess set. And I've been looking like I've I, cause I love chess. It's one of my favorite games. It is my favorite game. And I had been looking for a chess board 
but a chess table to put in my house with regular standard pieces. And then I wanted to eventually find a chess board that I wanted. And I don't know if my dad was picking up on some hotel vibes that I was giving him vibes, 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 but it was <laughs> Egyptian. So it was a Pharaoh and his queen. And I was, I still haven't looked this up properly, but I think the Pharaoh's queen is still called a queen. Um, even though I would like to be considered a lady Pharaoh. Um, and the pieces on the board are super fucking cool. Like the knight is like the cat and the bishop is like a bird and the pyramid is the rook and um, the pawns are, it's, I don't even know what to call them actually. But, you know, with the dog face, with the staff and everything. Um, and just such a, it was just such a cool, a cool fucking <laughs> piece of art and my favorite game. And so I was in show. I was like, does anybody want to play? I'm drunk the whole time, by the way. But I was like, does anybody want to play with me? And yes, my sister and Jeanette like wanted to play. So we played a few nights. Completely forgot the rules the first day. The second day, we played again. She beat me twice. I think I won twice, so I think it was a draw. And then the second night, I think we both won once, and then um, we didn't have a tiebreaker. And I tried to teach my dad. My dad is like, listen, <laughs> I buy the gifts. I'm not trying to be involved in the gifts. <laughs> um but it was such, it's such a cool chessboard. Like, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's so amazing and it was really cool. And then my sisters got me this uh, piece of art that's a picture of us from Halloween. So it's not just me, it's my cat, and it's the two of them in our Halloween costumes, and it's a paint by numbers thing. Like, where, where are y'all getting these cool ass fucking ideas? Like, where, where what? So amazing. So I, I really, this year for my birthday, I got um, a uh, an easel and some canvas uh, pieces and also some paint. And I used to love painting so much, but I haven't done it in a while. So I'm going to practice so that I can make sure that this is like primo. <laughs> I don't want to fuck this up at all because I think it's such a cool fucking idea. And, um, my, uh, my stepmom and my, my dad got me this really cute, cute. I don't know how to say words. Um, this cute music box. And I don't think my dad remembers this, but this is the second music box that he's got me. And I lost the first one. Oh, <laughs> I lost the first one. The first one that I had, um, I, it's a long story and I'm not going to go into how I lost it because it's a tragic story, but it had a picture of my late husband who died earlier on this year. It was us at the Marine Corps ball one of these years and it was a picture of us and, you know, his, uh, his, 
I was going to say costume, but it's not a costume, in his uniform and, like, me and my little ball gown. And he would open it up and it would play a song and they got a bigger version of that for me. <laughs> and it's really cute. So I, I cannot complain. I had a good Christmas, but I, it was not lost on me. Um, the, the days leading up to it, how sad I was. Um, about how many people were not going to be able to celebrate Christmas the same way. Um, I know two families who lost their fathers and husbands. One to suicide, one to COVID. So I would still say one to COVID because COVID has allowed things to sort of amplify and like it's like a pressure cooker. Like 2020 was a pressure cooker for all of these feelings and people I think just like burst. And I don't think we really knew where to turn to when some people turn to the darkest of their moments. And I never considered my struggle with depression to be a superpower. But in 2020, to me, it actually seemed like it was a superpower because I've been dealing with this shit since I was 11. I was diagnosed depressed at 11. And I remember the therapist, my mom, newly African woman to the country. And the therapist is like, eventually you're going to have to say some nice shit to your daughter. (laughs) And my mother was like, what? (laughs) Giggle, giggle, giggle. Because she's not really like, she's not used to this. You know what I mean? This is not she has a mother who of course is going to say nice things to her. And then she has a father who's going to tell her that, you know, whatever. And and their relationship is an interesting dynamic. So I cannot like guess, but I, from the stories that she told me, I don't think her dad was ever very clear about the fact that he was proud of her, like whatever. And I think he had many reasons to be proud of her, but I remember the therapist throwing my cards, cards at my mother, saying, no, at me, actually. She's like, Stephanie, call me, find me, call me, call me. And I was like, bitch, I'm going to die because of what you said. You know, you don't know, like, the capabilities of your parents, and you just think everything is, like, the worst thing in the world, which is why I really enjoyed Big Mouth. This, This latest season of Big Mouth was just so... I wish I had it when I was younger because I think it helped me realize that some problems seem a lot bigger than they actually are. And had I actually, trigger warning, suicide, had I actually succeeded in my attempt, what what a tragedy. tragedy. I was 12 thinking the only way out of this situation was to end my life. Um, but some of those things don't necessarily change when you're in your thirties because you're still dealing with the same shit. It's self-doubt. It's, um, this crippling fear that you're not enough when you are. It's accepting your place in life. It's not a bad, like a bad place. It's just, Maybe you had bigger dreams for yourself. Yes. Maybe you thought you were going to be this and this and that. Um, 
but here you are. Look at you. You fucking, you did it. You did it, y'all. You did it. You know what I mean? Like you, you succeeded in at least surviving the worst of your troubles. But there were a lot of us that unfortunately could not do that this year. And that could have been pandemic. Um, To me, the suicides of the pandemic are going to be something that we have to talk about later on. But um, for the families that had to lose family members just because... Hmm. You happen to be stuck in a certain tax bracket and you don't have access to healthcare and you don't have access to certain foods and you don't have access to certain things. Like, I feel like there's a genocide happening in America. And it feels radical to say that, but I feel like I'm seeing it with my own eyes and I feel blessed to have survived so far this year. But it was not lost on me, the loneliness that creeped in. Because um, I could not stop thinking about my late husband. I, 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 I broke down a few times last week before I went to my dad's house, before he picked me up. Because it just doesn't seem fair. And... That was something I gave a, mo- a movie review about that uh, hillbilly elegy. There was something about it that just didn't seem fair, but something that could have been stopped. But I'm not here to depress. In the intro, we're going to get started for more depressing items in the America's Burning Report. Okay, let's get started. This week in the America's Burning Report, in our first story, shocker, COVID motherfucking 19, the bitch that ruined all of our fucking plans for 2020. Um, I don't even know where to start. So just to give an update worldwide, America's still leading. We're number one. We're number one. Yay! The crowd goes wild. Um, but around the world, we have Nigeria, South Africa, Japan, Canada, and South Korea, uh, all claiming that they have a new strain or a new variant. I have to learn new words now just to describe this fucking virus. Um, Last week, I spoke about how the UK has a new variant and they have to go back on uh, uh, lockdown. Japan this week said, hi, if you're not a fucking resident, stay the fuck out. (laughs) Japan is one of my favorite places in the world. It is such a fucking cool country. Such a cool country. I visited five cities in Japan. Cannot wait to go back when shit is back on track. My God. Um, But yeah, there's uh, South Africa just reached a million cases, which for Africa is insane. Um, Because 
in my country in Zambia, it's not even, I don't know about the actual number of cases, but the deaths I think are still under 500. The last time I checked, uh, you know, a couple months ago, I think it was about two something. Um, so I spoke about this in podcasts ago where they were writing these articles. Well, why isn't Africa dying? <laughs> we, we're trying to get rid of you guys is what I got from what they were writing. But I get creeped out. Okay, so there's a new strain. Like, this shit is mutating. Like, I keep saying this is the start of the fucking zombie apocalypse, but I make jokes. It's not supposed to be real. Yikes. But in our first story this week, COVID-19 and its destruction on American lives, um, mostly black and brown, by the systemic oppression of white supremacy um, has caused us to currently have 19.1 million people who have been infected, 333,000, 333,000, if I said that number correctly, um, deaths, with December being the most deadliest of months since this whole thing began. And um, I guess from Democracy Now!, they said we're seeing one in 1,000 people who have died of the coronavirus. I live in California. (laughs) I felt like I said that weird. I live in California, and I, um, Los Angeles, I think, has become the epicenter of the United States. It was New York before, um, but there is a lot of shit going on in in LA. And last week I I spoke about how it was two deaths per hour. Creepy. Um, But California became the first state to pass two million cases. We're number one. We're number... Shit's fucking scary, man. Like, it just, there is no, it's between the people, the leadership, the conspiracies, the just the lack of trust in America in general, on all sides. Talk to black people, they don't trust America. Talk to Native Americans, they don't trust America. Talk to, you know, immigrants, they don't trust America. They want to live here, but they don't necessarily trust it. Talk to white people, they don't really trust America. The only ones that really trust it are the the higher echelon whites. You know, the ones that can afford to fucking live in ivory fucking towers at the fucking top and just look down at the pores and say, look at them. That's cute. You know, the ones that are on TV parading around getting the fucking vaccine. The shit is fucking wild. Wild. And I can't get over it. Um, Continuing on to our second story. There is a, a continuing chatter amongst the black community about, are you going to take the vaccine or not? And 
I'll be honest with you. I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't want to, um, not this early on anyway. Um, you know, I come, I come from Africa where, oh, the polio vaccine also, oh, there was a mistake and this, this did this to this person and this, it did this to that person. And no, 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 no. For a very long period of time, the people that have been saving the world as far as doctors go came from Cuba. You remember how we hate Fidel Castro? And when I say we, I mean white society in America, um, white politicians and things of that sort. Um, but they provide most of the emergency help to the world when something high, like happens. Oh, it's an earthquake. Okay, we got to go. Oh, it's a fucking cyclone. Okay, we got to go. Oh, it's this. We got to go. And they, it's raining outside and Californians are going mad wild. <laughs> My windows are closed and I swear it seems like they're open. Um, but I want to talk about a doctor by the name of, uh, it's Dr. Susan Moore of Indiana, a black woman who happened to unfortunately get infected with COVID-19. And I'm not going to say that I have a fear of being in hospitals, I do have a scary story of being in a hospital. I have friends and family, all black, that don't trust hospitals. And I don't dare ask them why, because it's probably going to be a really fucking insane fucking story. But Dr. Susan Moore went in. She was admitted to the hospital. And she spoke about, basically, the systemic racism of the hospital. And we know this. We've, we've gone over this. The reports are now out. You know, Black women die more in childbirth because they believe that Black people are fucking stronger. <laughs> and, you know, when we tell you we're in pain, like, ah, you don't mean it. You could take more. You know, all these things deriving from slavery. So it's... um. It's an ingrained idea that somehow, because we say we're in pain, you expect us to take more. I'm not sure, but I don't. I I do. I do not. I do, I do not want to be in a hospital at all. I found myself there one time, and um, I didn't like it. I hated like my nurse. I went in there because there was it was something that could have been fixed. Unfortunately, if I if I had ignored it much longer, me believing that I'm stronger than I am, um, I I would have died. And I went to the hospital, and I didn't like the fact that the nurse came in. I told her I was in pain. I had crazy fucking fever. This is now like you know like we're talking like seven years ago. Um, and I had this high fever and I had this pain and I, I was like, I think, and I was like, I think it's, it's, I think it's my kidneys. 
it's in this area. Um, and they admitted me right away. And the nurse walked in and she starts to put me on a fucking IV one. I needed, I, I needed to be hydrated and then I needed to, um, be given pain medication. So they put me on some sort of fucking drip <laughs> and I don't do opioids. I don't do any of that fucking shit. And they put me, I believe it was on Percocet and I hated it. I lost like my, the, the food tasted differently. But while I was in the hospital, when she walked in and she put me on it and she said, you know, we're going to give you a prescription for this. She's like, you know, you can sell this for like, you know, $200 a pill, like on the street. And I was just like, I, I run my own real estate office, like on the street, ma'am. Like, what are you talking about? Like, what is this? Like, why are you telling me as a nurse? Like, why are you telling me that? And it made me uncomfortable. And I, I remember used to, like, I would watch Nurse Jackie. And she's popped, like, hopped up on fucking pills. But I don't think that she was giving the advice to the fucking people there. Other than stealing their fucking pills, I don't think she was fucking telling the people, hey, you need to fucking, you know, sell this shit, like, on the street. And... It stayed in my cabinet for such a long time because I couldn't take it. Like I was like, if I can take the pain, then I will. Like if it's not that bad, then I I will handle it. And it stayed in my cabinet for a very long time until a boyfriend and my, of mine and I took a trip to Hawaii and I asked one of my friends to stay at my house and he loved pills. Um, and he sends me a fucking picture, I think, one day when I was in Hawaii. And he's like, hey, stuff. I found these Percocets. I was like, I'm never going to take them. You do what you want with them. And he was hopped up. It was. We used to send each other messages like, oh, well, I didn't take any pills. But if I, uh, back in those days, you know, um, uh, 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 go to an elevated state with my preferred deviant uh concoction of choice um we would say to each other the ludes are kicking in none of us had quaaludes but you know what i mean so he sends me a message with the <laughs> after he found them in my in my bathroom or whatever and he was like the ludes are kicking in they're kicking in we went to a party one day and he uh, ended up finding himself in um, my friend's bathroom and he was like, I'm going to take these. And I was like, are you just literally taking like pills from somebody's bathroom? Like you don't even know like what the fuck they are. Are you crazy? And he's like, the loser kicking then. Bethany. My name is Stephanie. Bethany, the loser kicking in. And I was like, okay. And he was okay, but I'm not that adventurous of a fucking person. Um, so I found it very interesting that she, a nurse, I don't know if they take the oath, the Hippocratic oath or whatever, but I thought it was really interesting that she thought it necessary to tell me that I could sell these pills on the street. So we have this situation with Dr. Susan Moore who went in because she had COVID-19 
she had pain. She asked them for the medicine that they needed. It's the one that starts with uh, an R. Uh, I'm not even going to try to say it. Um, and she told the doctor. And she said the doctor's name, which I believe started with a B. She spelled it out. It's like Benick, Dr. Benick. Excuse me. And um, he refused to give it to her. And she ended up posting her experience at the hospital on a video that she posted to her social media. And she said, you have to show proof that you have something wrong with you in order to get the medicine. I put forward and I maintain if I was white, I wouldn't have to go through that. This is how black people get killed when you send them home and they don't know how to fight for themselves. She died basically two weeks after posting that video. So this is violence against black people. This is why I get scared. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not interested in going into a hospital to be treated by mostly white doctors that will not listen to me. I get terrified of being pregnant and giving birth and somebody not listening to me. And then I don't even have a chance to be in my daughter's life or my son's life or whatever. Like, I don't understand what is so scary about listening to black people when they say I'm in pain because I think America is so used to us to take in pain that they don't even give a shit about us when we say I'm in pain, help me. Her video is everywhere. It's obviously gone viral, but it is sick that she had to go through that and she had to die. But I'm glad that she got the message out and I hope that doctor is somewhere sick and unable to sleep and is thinking about what the fuck he did to her because fuck you. Moving on to the third story this week. Our president is the master of public relations. He knows television very well. He knows how to get his point across. Regardless of who you are, he knows how to get this shit done. So, in May, Bernie Sanders and Kamala Harris, soon to be, <laughs> if everything works out right, um, our uh, vice president, co-sponsored a bill that would give Americans $2,000. It went nowhere. Um, nothing was happening with that. Bernie has been steadily speaking on canceling student loans and, you know, so many other things that would help alleviate the uh, financial strain on Americans, but it's not necessarily happening right now. So there was a stimulus bill last week. I spoke about this. 
<laughs> I thought it was funny. I spoke about this. I said, they're giving money to Israel. They're giving money to Venezuela. They're giving money to the Air Force, the Space Force, the Navy, the military. Like it was a military spending bill, basically under the guise of a stimulus bill that only gave Americans $600. <laughs> So there was money there. They just don't want to give it to us just right away. You know what I mean? So imagine my motherfucking surprise when I'm just chilling out and the president gets on TV and he says, I don't like this bill. Why are we giving money? And he mentioned all the other things that I didn't know about. Like we're giving money to this person. We're giving money to this person. Obviously he didn't mention, you know, his friends in there because he didn't mention Israel and he didn't mention the military spending, but he mentioned some other shit. And it was like, why are we only giving Americans $600? And I was like, yeah. And I caught myself. I said, wait, <laughs> what, what? And he's like, I want to give Americans $2,000. And I said, I've heard him say this before. So what the fuck is going on? Um, the people are saying, oh, well, Trump sent somebody else on his behalf to argue on his behalf about, you know, the spending bill uh, or not the spending bill, but the stimulus bill. And but I was like, no, I saw that shit on TV. I saw him say it on TV before you guys even did the six hundred dollars that he wanted to give people two thousand dollars. So like, what the fuck are we talking about that we don't know? Y'all don't want you guys. Don't, you guys have different channels in, in Washington. Y'all don't get the same feed when the president speaks like I want to know. And I started to, thinking to myself, I said, Trump is. You know, even a, a broken clock can be right two times a day at least. And what he has always been good at and what he's always been good at beating people with, regardless of the side that they happen to be on, because it ha he, he said, I want to give the American people more money. Now that's a message right before Christmas. That's a message right before, because, you know, January is the month where people like have to start paying some of their credit card bills because they decided to spend all their fucking money on gifts, a billion dollar industry that gives you nothing. You, nobody needs a gift. But we nonetheless, every single year, hurt ourselves, Americans specifically, on gifts, and it's bullshit. So... You get that $2,000, you get to pay off, you know, a couple bills, but let's say you're the average American who's been unemployed and you don't have a job and you don't know where your rent check is coming from and you don't know where your food's coming from and, you know, you're not like me, you've got kids. I mean, I have a child, but it's a cat, you know, I can, I can always go to Trader Joe's and get her the food that she likes, you know, for $6. Um... But let's say I didn't even have the $6 and you're like, yeah, the 600 would be okay. But that 2000 could pay my rent and I would probably be able to pay my, my cable bill. And then I would also be able to um, afford some cat food. There's so many people that are going through harder problems than we know. And... He made 
a speech that made him look good and Republicans still found a way to make themselves look worse than the president. I said, how, Mitch McConnell? How do you vote against this, right? So the Democrats were like, oh, maybe you want $2,000. That's no problem. That's no problem. We'll give you, we'll give you a bill tomorrow. Sign it. Republicans denied it. So Saturday, the uh, bill, the current bill that we had like lapsed or the benefits that we had lapsed and then the president signs it yesterday. And then today the House approved the $2,000 and now it goes to the Senate where the evil decaying turtle, Mitch McConnell, gets to decide what the fuck is going on. And I just look at them. I said, Trump gave these hoes everything they wanted. He gave them the Supreme Court. He gave them judges. He gave them all this shit. And you bitches just can't do anything for the people. You're making Trump look likable. Not to me. But those in the middle people. You're making him look likable. A million, millions of people are going to be affected because of him waiting 24 hours to sign this bill. Things are going to lapse and things, you know, like that. But when they look at what, what was the cause of that, it was the Republicans. The Republicans don't like you. The shit is gross. And you're still falling for his tricks. And if he succeeds in his coup, baby. <laughs> he's not a he's not gonna kill the Democrats first. <laughs> I guarantee you that fucking much. He's not gonna kill the Democrats first. I think he's going to go for the Republicans that showed their asses when he lost. And then y'all gonna have to figure out exactly what the fuck y'all gonna do. It's going to be a problem. Um, moving on to story number four. The president is still a hateful motherfucker. Um, and his pardons this week. This last week. So far, 60 of the uh, president's 65 pardons have gone to people that he personally knows or aided him politically. Nepotism. Look it up. Um, in the most disgusting of the pardons, he uh, pardoned Blackwater contractors convicted of murdering Iraqi civilians. I think it was the um, Nisour Square in Iraq. The founder of Blackwater is um, a man by the name of Eric Prince who happens to be Betsy DeVos's brother. Betsy DeVos, who is she? She is our education secretary, yes. Um, because Blackwater was such a disgusting piece of shit, these are mercenaries, basically, uh, that go out. They're uh, hired for crazy amount of money. Um, my late husband, who passed away in uh, February, he was enlisted in the military and was getting paid at that time in the 2000s, before the 2010s, uh, 37000 a year to risk his life. Um, but a Blackwater person was getting 125000 tax-free 
came with cars, came with weapons, came with all this shit. Like we had to, like he would send me a list of like, I need you to go get me some gear because I need to figure out how to protect myself out here because the military does not issue this. The military does not issue that. And I need this and I need that. Meanwhile, he's like, Blackwater can do whatever the fuck they want to. And what happens, especially with the military and some of these things is some of these people get, or most of them get what is called diplomatic immunity. So these men can go out there and fucking kill. They can rape. They can do whatever the fuck they want. And then you're not going to get in trouble. And that's not just people in war. That's just like when you see military people in other countries, like, yeah, they, they, they could kill you, baby. And then they can hop on a train, hop on a flight back and go home. And your family will never get justice because of something called diplomatic immunity. It's disgusting. But Eric Prince is such a fucking piece of shit. You can go and look up all the fucking pardons. Like this, it's, you know, it was expected that Trump was going to be like the Kushner family. Sure. This person, sure. Roger Stone, of course. Michael Flynn, of course. Like all of these things, he was, he was always going to get that done. Like we would say this shit as jokes and he actually did it. And it's like, it was expected. Um, but if you can't find Blackwater, it's because he uh, Eric Prince changed the name to Z. I think it was X-E. And then he changed it to Academy. Betsy DeVos, once again, I don't like you. Disgusting. In our final and last story of the America's Burning Report of 2020, the FBI told us 10 years ago that um, white supremacists had infiltrated the uh, law enforcement and... Um, the intelligence bureaus have been telling us that uh, white supremacy is one of the biggest threats that America has. And on Christmas Day 2020, a man by the name of Anthony Quinn, a white man, 63 years old, decided he was going to become a suicide bomber. And somewhere near the AT&T building in uh, downtown Nashville detonated a bomb that caused the injury of three people. As far as I know, I don't think that people have died except him, but he did it. And I was at my dad's house all weekend, and it was when we were leaving, we're getting gas, and my dad is telling me about how he had to text his friend, and he's like, you heard about this this, uh, Tennessee uh, explosion, this bomb. I said, excuse me, (laughs) I've been on my Twitter all week, and I haven't seen what? And I look on my Twitter, there's barely anything. I follow news stories. I follow people. Like, I'm just, there's nothing there. I texted one of my friends. I said, baby, are you okay? I heard that there was an explosion, a bomb in Tennessee. Are you good? And she's like, this is the first that I'm hearing about a bombing in Tennessee. You know what that led me to think? It's funny. When white people do something, their pictures rarely floated around. The news rarely gets there. But let's just say that that was a Muslim. Let's just say that that was a black person. Let's just say that it was anybody other than a white fucking man. Guaranteed we would have heard about that shit. And um, the threat to America is the right wing sector that are white men that want to destroy this country because it's they think it's being taken away from them. 
That is our final America is Burning report of 2020. I will see you in 2021, and I hope America is not burning. But I highly doubt it because white people exist. Okay, 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 okay. This week in The Goddess is Really Watching. That's the name. That's what we're going to call it when I watch stuff or listen to stuff and I talk about it. Um, I watched two new movies this week. One was Soul, which we're going to talk about. And the other one was Sylvie's Love with my girlfriend, Tessa Thompson. Um, and I heard... Um, because I don't have HBO, I'm probably going to get it, but I believe that, uh, Wonder Woman was terrible. I cannot wait to watch how terrible it is. Cause I like Kristen Wiig, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Everybody says it sucks and it's people whose opinions they trust on movies. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to whatever the situation happens to be. But I would definitely like to talk about the movie Soul. It was the new Pixar, Disney movie. Pixar and Disney are the same, right? But it was overall, the final verdict is that it was good. It was really good. Um... I have a gripe with Disney, though, because it seems like every single time they have a mostly black movie, it seems like the black people don't spend that much time in their own bodies. <laughs> and I don't like that. I don't like that at all. So it was Jamie Foxx is the main character. So spoiler. That I'm probably going to give some spoils here somewhere. Um, but Jamie Foxx was a main character. And he's, uh, I want to say, middle school music teacher who is still sort of uh, in search of making it big um, in a jazz band um, or in a band in general, I think. But he's a really good teacher. And I, the, the other gripe I have with Disney is like, these are not kids' movies. These are not children's movies. Like, these are dark themes. <laughs> like, just what the hell is a kid going to understand about his fucking purpose? Like, he has to do homework and go to school tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, the, the most tragic thing that's going to happen that day is probably... You know, short of any sort of like abuse that's like going on like in real life, like, you know, at school, it's like these amplified like issues with like the, a bully or, you know, your lunch money like getting stolen, you know, the, the girl rejecting you. But what do you really know about love like, you know, in those moments? But anyway, I maintain that this is a fucking, you know, animated sh a movie for adults. Teenagers, yes. <laughs> but... So he's, the whole movie is about this, this man who finally 
uh, he lands an opportunity through one of his former students, uh, calls him and says, hey, we're short uh, a piano player in this band. And um, I think you should show up and, you know, come audition because I think it would be really great for you. So he shows up, he auditions, he gets the gig. As he's walking home, so fucking excited. This is in New York City. He's so fucking excited. He, like, is basically just not looking like where he's going. He's ducking, like, cab, cars, like, everything. And then he falls through this manhole and essentially is in a coma. So he ends up in some sort of purgatory um, on his way to the great beyond, which is either heaven, I'm guessing. I think it's heaven. But he spends most of his movie, uh, most of this movie as a, uh, a soul, just a little blue soul. And in order, like he somehow ends up becoming a mentor to souls that are given to brand new human beings. And somewhere along the line, he finds a way to get back down to earth to his body. He's in the hospital, but he takes these little, the, the, the soul that he's mentoring uh, is voiced by Tina Fey, which had one of the funniest lines was, why do you sound like an annoying middle-aged white woman? And um, she's like, oh, I just use this voice to annoy people. <laughs> she's like, I could sound like this. I could sound like that. But essentially, it was a white woman. It was Tina Fey. Um, so they get back down to earth. And his his soul goes into a cat, which love. Um, but Tina Fey's soul goes into his body. So it's a black man shell and a white woman on the inside. And he's now trying to navigate how to sort of get his life back together. And um, it's very interesting. So the whole point of it is the souls are trying to find like what their purpose is. Like they're, you know, they get these like moments like where they're sparked by something and, um, it was really cute. The way that the souls were being handled was very, very cute to me. I loved it. <laughs> um, and it was just, I think for people that have been dealing with 2020, where everything is basically just everybody's stopped, you know, everything is like stagnated. You don't need, like, you don't, you don't know what the fuck is going to happen. And I think I'm young enough still to sort of, God forbid, shit just went a straight hell. I have an opportunity to really pick any career I want other than the one that I had before and the one that I have the most experience in and just, you know, start my life over. But that's also very different for older people, um, because this job market is not as forgiving. Um, so they were trying to, he was thinking my purpose is to play music. And as you're watching it, his purpose is he's a really good teacher, but he got so wrapped up in jazz being his only thing that he didn't really pay attention to anything else. So he lives alone, which I thought his apartment was really cute. He doesn't have a pet. 
His mom is constantly trying to tell him to get into a career path that is more stable for him. And he goes to his favorite barber and there was a little mix up with the cat. Maybe the cat shaved his head somehow. And they had to go to the barbershop, which is one of the best scenes in in um, in the movie was when they went to the barbershop. And before she goes, like, well, before, because it's her, her in his body. And uh, so the cat is like, Jamie Foxx is explaining to her, like, this is what you do. You're going to go down, you know, you're going to wait your turn. You're going to sit down and, you you know, we're going to, uh, you know, my man who's right down there um, at the end. And he's trying to get ready for this gig because um, he's been replaced at this particular moment. And he's trying to show up in this sharp suit and a cool, you know, haircut. And he's going to he's going to play in this fucking show tonight. Um, and they end up walking in. He's like, you know, man, you got to sit down. You got to wait. And he takes off his hat and shows him the hair. And he's like, oh, no, you need to sit down like right now. But because he's the only teen, like Tina Fey can understand the cat. So she's talking to him and the cat, like he's getting all riled up about like her not necessarily acting like him. And uh, the barber is like, man, you got to calm that cat down or you're going to take like take take that fucking cat outside. And so Tina Fey starts speaking because she's still trying to find what her purpose or her spark is in as a soul so that because the whole point was for her to eventually end up on Earth. So she's having this beautiful fucking experience of look at the light. Oh, my God. What the taste of pizza, the taste of food and, you know, just oh, look at this. I think it was um, just random things like she's just excited to see Earth like and experience Earth and the, you know, this thirst for life. And it reminded me of that fucking scene in Us. <laughs> like. I was going to start to do that. I got five on it, but the scary version and I'm just, I don't want to freak myself out because it's, um, you know, eventually it's going to turn into the night. And um, so Tina Fey is enjoying life. But I remember this one scene in us when, you know, the, the tethers were like, hey, or it was red. She was talking about how you, you don't even enjoy the fucking sunlight. You know, you spend most of your life just dicking around basically and not really enjoying the sunlight. And nothing more has taught me that except for 2020. Because the year before 2020, all I was doing was fucking working. And I'm trying to think to myself, like, I'm so, you know, like I read about all of the things that I need to read about and I want to inspire the youth, like to, you know, um, be active in their communities and to do this and do that and all of this shit. Meanwhile, like, baby, what makes you happy? Because when you come home, you're not really, you're not really happy. And so the scene in the barbershop, Tina Fey starts talking about her existential crisis, if you will. And everybody's enthralled in like what she's saying. But as she's speaking, obviously, they think it's him. So it's his voice that's coming out. And so everybody that has seen this man come to this um, to this barbershop for years, but never really heard him speak about anything except for uh, like jazz and music are just like, oh, my God. And then he's asking the barber, 
questions about his life and the barber is answering questions about his life. And as they're leaving, he gets his, you know, his cool ass fucking haircut. As they're leaving, you know, seemingly the uh, Jamie Foxx's character asks him, hey, how come I never knew anything? I, I, I never knew all of this about you. And he turns around or the barber looks at him and he says, well, you never asked. And I think some of us live in our own head so fucking much that we are so enthralled in our own lives that we don't necessarily take a moment to ask about what's going on with other people, that we forget the part of the experience of life is learning about other people. You learn so fucking much. Sitting outside with my dad, where he was barbecuing one of the days um, during this Christmas break, and that's just like... I'm like, I'm an adult now, you know, I can ask questions. And I said, you know, if you don't mind, can I ask you about this, this and that? And he explained it and he's telling me, and I'm, I'm looking at this, you know, parents are just like concepts when you're growing up. This is my dad. This is my mom. Y'all are supposed to take care of me. Also, I want a PlayStation. <laughs> but when they're, when they're not the concepts, they almost seem like they're the enemy. Um, when we have issues and things like that going on. And so, excuse me, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm allowed to sneeze in my own house. There's nobody here. I'm fine. So I asked him about something and he just, he told me a story and it added so much more, um, not a story. He just told me about his life experience and it gave me so much more, um, context to some of the things that happened when I was younger and I just didn't understand or I didn't know how to ask the question. So it was a beautiful movie in the way that there was one point where he asked the question or he made the statement, if I die today, I feel like I would have done nothing in life. And I was just like, ooh, gut punch. This is not for children. It's not for children at all. And I think a lot of us feel that way. And sometimes we get out of our way to try to make something happen of ourselves when what is happiness? You know, like what's your what's what is happiness to you? And I know the, the it's what's your purpose and what's this and purpose is something that you you have to want like it's not something that you're just like oh yeah this is like what you do now it requires work and it doesn't require a gift necessarily and i think he thought his gift was music so his purpose in life was to play music but sometimes it could be being a good teacher it could be um being a good leader, you know, being, I don't know, like there's so many different things that one can do. And that has absolutely nothing to do with the job that we do. You know, I thought it was lovely. I still have a gripe with the fact that y'all had this, this man on screen for maybe 20 minutes (laughs) as himself. And the rest of the time he was, uh, as somebody on Twitter described it, a blue smurf, <laughs> the most of the movie. So definitely watch it. If you are, to hell, graduating high school 
watch this shit. If you're, you know, in your 20s, watch this shit. If you're in your 30s, watch this shit. If you in your 70s, watch this shit. It just, um, what a beautiful concept, you know, what a good reminder to the people about basically the meaning of life, which none of us really know and we're trying to figure it out, but this was certainly a, a nice little snippet. Um, to remind us, hey, 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 you're doing just fine. You're doing just fine. You're trying too hard. You're trying too hard, <laughs> um, which a lot of us don't tell each other. I think we get lost in a lot of bullshit, um, what people think about us. And I think we're too hard on ourselves sometimes. Being happy is being happy as long as it's not hurting somebody else. Happiness, you know, should be your focus. But anyhow, that was my review of uh, Soul. I watched Sylvie's Love. <sighs> no. I liked it, but no. Maybe it's just, I didn't like the story. The acting was great. You know, um, but no, don't tell me it's a love story. You know, you know, it's just like, eh, sure, sure, it's a love story. I don't like it when the women have to work that fucking hard for love. You know, give me, give me an easy story for where the woman, you know, is not doing that much fucking legwork just to find this fucking happiness. You know, I, I wasn't. I was not impressed, but that's just me. It should you watch it? Sure, it's cute. The music is good. Um, it was another musician-driven uh, movie, but uh, it's a no for me. Tanks, though. Okay, I'll see you next week. Uh, I'll see you in twenty twenty one. We'll talk about whatever I watched since then. And the final stuff rant of 2020. This is a tough year, right, guys? Right. I said, right, guys? Yeah, 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 yeah. Shake your head. Because if it wasn't tough for you, then, you know, congratulations. <laughs> congratulations on... um. Not losing loved ones, not attending Zoom funerals, not finding out the reason that your friend didn't fucking hit you back on Instagram is because they committed suicide. I'm sorry. Trigger warning. Um, getting fired, let go, like whatever the fuck, one of those, um, was furloughed at first. <laughs> it always starts furloughed. Twenty twenty was a really rough year, and it was rough on the spirit 
I think most of us endured. Obviously, we had no choice, right? Like, you give up or you endure. And what's the cost of enduring such a hard year? For me, I had to humble myself. I had to humble myself. I've been on my own since I was 19. I left my house. And I've always ascended, you know, from the point where I'm like, okay, so this is it. We're getting to this next point. And then we're getting to this next point. And and I was always so career driven that... I know how to get to the next point where I never focused my energy was relationships. Um, except one, and he's the one that passed away. I think it was COVID, but his family doesn't know because it happened in February, which was before, you know, we started testing for shit. But one day he was just... Like he dropped dead in the kitchen, making breakfast for everyone. And ah, blah, 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 blah. There's so many stories that I know about people. I'm not crying. Who's crying? I'm not crying. Um, there's, there's. Twenty twenty was tough. It was a tough year because it forced me to see my actions. Are they helping? Are they hurting? My presence. You know, um, what does this mean? What am I doing? What, what, uh, you know, and I got angry at a few people that were so insistent on, we're going to meet up anyway. And it's like, you're going to meet up anyway because you want to, um, Or is it because uh, you need to? It was there was never a need. There was never really like a need, and I recognized as the year went on because I stayed in my apartment until September, caged in. No, not even September. Fuck that. Sorry, that's not even true. November. Stayed locked in. And it was my dad's birthday. And I said, I think you've been locked in too much. Go to your dad's house. My dad has to contact me and say, I'm giving him all my worries. And I've been watching the news, dad, and this and this. And we're not supposed to be doing this. And we're not supposed to be doing that. And he's like, Go take a walk. (laughs) Like, relax for a second. 
and it was the only aspect of life really that I had this year and up until August I I had a partner but my partner didn't lose anyone so I was devastated I was sad. I was. I don't even know how to just like, how do you describe losing? Uh, it it seems like losing a life force. Cause that's what it felt like to me. If, oh, wow. Um, it felt like. Losing my late husband was losing the person that knew my personality the most, that knew my, uh, um, my, what do you call it? My sense of humor the most, where I could say one word and he would get it and we could laugh for days. And felt like I, 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 I lost something. I lost something so pure and so innocent and it was just gone like so in, instantly. And everybody was just sort of expecting me to, everything is fine stuff. I'm like, no, everything is not fine, you bitches. Nothing is fine. Nothing is fucking fine. What are you talking about? I, it was my friend Trey and I were talking and he said, did you ever think about the fact that maybe your boyfriend was maybe, maybe the word is not jealous, but you're speaking of love for your ex, ex, uh, husband, late husband, as I call it, because you never divorce, ladies and gentlemen. That's what I'm saying. Um, it's paperwork wise, but your heart never does. So he's maybe he saw that as a threat, and I said, "How are you going to compete with a dead man? How are you going to compete with a dead man?" It's no competition. So accept your lot in life. Accept that I I have accepted you on this earth. <laughs> accepted. <laughs> I have a very interesting choice of words um, that I need to study and figure out. But um, The loss of 2020 was the thing that hurt me the most. It um, really caused me to... I cry so much. Um, 
so much. So, so much. Because you know when somebody else had realized a different key to life that they wanted to experience and and then they can't. And that's the shit that's getting to me. It's getting to me. It's, it really, it, it got to me the entirety of this year. Um, it's not for me, but for somebody else. And I know what I'm, I'm, I know what I uh, want to get into and what I want to be proud of and But 2020 literally took my baby from me. 2020 took took my baby from me. And two of them. And I don't know what to say about that. I don't know how to come, come to terms with it. And I don't know how to be comfortable with it. I don't know that I'm supposed to. But it sure hurt. 2020 hurt. It was a bullet. That just hurt. That I wasn't expecting. That I didn't want. I had unresolved issues with. You know, because sometimes you can see like a... An ending to someone, and you could say, "Yeah, it's necessary. This, this was unnecessary. It was so unnecessary." And there's so many people that are hurting. I was on Facetime more than I ever would have been because why (laughs) in my head why like what the fuck like why the fuck would I need to do this but it was so necessary um because it's people that have feelings that let them out that need to be known but I still hurt a little too much 
Um, way too much. I cry too much. I really do. Um, and I want to, I want to stop that. Then it's, woo. That's one of the things that I would love to stop is that was my baby. Like y'all took my baby away from me. Like you, you know what I mean? Like it's just, it took some pure heart in 2020. And it's not lost on me that we still have to keep going on. And we still have to keep, you know, continuing on and doing our thing and whatever, whatever. But people were lonely this year. People were sad this year. People were, fuck. People were sad this year. People were motherfucking sad this year. And people were always sad, but the years before they had the opportunity to make an audacious plan, an audacious ask and say, or a proclamation, like whatever it is, like, I'm coming over. Can I come over? Can I do this? Blah, 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 blah. You know, they had things that they could say, except that the other person could say, no, this year it was just you honestly can't do that. So I wish everyone that had a tough year goodwill. I wish everyone Understand that you are not the worst of this year. Actually, the best is yet to come, which sounds strange, but the best is yet to come because you survived this. You gotta survive the rest, right? Huh? Huh? Nobody else? Nobody else wants to say it? You have to. I get sad. I get sad a lot. Um, Because I love, I'm such a lover. And people think I hate them. Actually, I really love them. I miss them. I, um, for my peace. Someone does go that to my mother. For my peace, I can't have you in my life because 
it it hurts too much sometimes, you know, the things that come out of it. And that's what 2020 revealed is what is good for you? What is best for you? And what is bad for you? And what do you want? What you want sometimes might be bad for you. Sometimes might be the best for you. You don't know. But you really do, if you think about it. It's a lot. That's not the message that I wanted to end this on. Um, I hope everybody just sort of recognizes their strength in 2021. I hope everybody recognizes the fact that they're stronger than they actually are. And I hope everybody understands, like, babe, you are the prize. I ask you every fucking week, how are you? Baby, I'm never looking for you to say you're terrible. And if you come back the next week, you're not supposed to be terrible. You're supposed to be, you know rising above some of the bullshit so you can be at your best. I love you. 2020 was shit. It was terrible for me. Because I lost a lot. And when I say a loss, I lost good people. So to Josh, to Cowboy, to Luke, and everybody else I lost this year, I just want you to know, I think about you. I love you. Stay blessed. I pray for you. I pray for you. Of course, you don't need the prayers. Like, I get it. Y'all are, you know, in the other space. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But I still pray. Y'all stay safe. <laughs> Sorry. Stay safe. It's not a word. Y'all stay safe. But stay dangerous. Okay, 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 okay.